0: Hey guys, I'm Monica Crowley, and this is the Monica Crowley Podcast. Thank you so much for being with me as we kick off another brand new week. This is your go-to for hot liberty, a safe space for all of us thought criminals, independent thinkers, and happy warriors. Please follow me on social media, Instagram at Monica Crowley underscore, at Monica Crowley underscore, and on Twitter and Truth Social at Monica Crowley. You can also send me an email about this show. The email address is podcast at gmail.com, podcast at gmail.com. I'm getting a ton of your emails. I love them all. I read them all. So keep them going. At the end of the show, as always, we will get to some of your thoughts. Well, today on this Monday, I want to deal with the institutional Uh, destruction that we're seeing all around us. This is an intentional destruction of our institutions, and we've been talking about this for a while. We're going to continue to because communists never give up. There are a couple of stories here. I want to bring you on this as a way to highlight what we're up against, because we can't fight back unless we are really clear-eyed about what we're facing, Also today, we are going to talk to the great J.D. Vance, the Republican nominee for U.S. Senate from Ohio. He got Trump's endorsement and had a phenomenal primary win. He's now heading into the general election in November, and we are going to talk to him. Plus, as I said, your fantastic emails all straight ahead. But first, the Monica Memo. Tomorrow is a big primary day. Speaking of primary races, we got a big one coming up in Pennsylvania and elsewhere. We're going to watch it very closely and bring you my patented, incisive, scintillating analysis here on Wednesday. So you're going to want to tune in for that. And if you are a Pennsylvania resident, please don't forget to vote. Speaking of Pennsylvania, a Democratic candidate for governor... His name is John Fetterman. He had a stroke on Friday, but we only heard about it late yesterday. He seems to be on the road to recovery. But seriously, it took two to three days to get that news? The man is the current lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania. He's also a candidate to be Governor of Pennsylvania. Why did it take two to three days to get that news that he had had a stroke? Why? Because his team covered it up. And the press just lets it go. There's no pressure at all from the press on these things, they just let it go. Donald Trump could not sneeze without someone ordering an investigation. But this guy has a stroke. A stroke! And meanwhile, Biden, the president of the United States, has progressive dementia. And all you hear from the press is crickets. I had this experience with Secretary Mnuchin at Treasury. He could not even turn around. The man could not even do a little throat clearing without the Treasury press corps being all over me. Well, where is the secretary? Is he okay? Does he have COVID? Does he have allergies? When was his last physical? But this candidate for governor of uh, Pennsylvania on the Democratic side literally has a stroke, and you don't hear about it for two to three days, and the press isn't screaming about that? Meanwhile, also this weekend, another major Democrat, Senator Chris Van Hollen of Maryland, also had a stroke. He also seems to be recovering. But a lot of people out there are having strokes and heart attacks. It would be nice if we had an investigation into why. I'm just saying. We have become so used to the corruption of the press, and it runs so deep, and it's been going on for so long, but honestly, it has had and continues to have a deep and profound corrosive effect on our republic. It is eating away at our institutions. It's not just the the active communists in government and so on. It's the active communists in the media. They're eating away at our institutions with their dishonesty and their cover-ups and their unwillingness to report stories or show any kind of curiosity about any of this. And all of that is eating away at our institutions and the trust required to keep those institutions healthy and functioning, which they haven't been in a long time. And now they're in collapse, which brings us to another story that's played a huge role in the tearing down of our country. Today, the very first trial From Special Counsel John Durham, who is still out there methodically doing his work, the first trial coming out of his investigation into the origins of the Trump-Russia collusion hoax begins today with jury selection. And this, of course, involves the 2016 Hillary Clinton campaign lawyer, Michael Sussman, who is now going to face the music for allegedly lying to the FBI. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. John Durham alleges Sussman lied in September 2016 when he told then-FBI General Counsel James Baker, who, by the way, we're going to get into exactly how deep the swamp is, but this guy, James Baker, is emblematic of how deep the swamp is. He was the FBI General Counsel, meaning the FBI's top lawyer, this guy, James Baker. He is now the General Counsel at Twitter. Do you see how deep... The deep state runs. And wait, I've got more examples of this in a second. So he uh, Durham alleges that Sussman lied to this guy Baker when he was the head lawyer at FBI that he was not working on behalf of any client while feeding the FBI lies about then candidate Donald Trump. Okay, you want to know how really deep the swamp is, and how deep the deep state is? I mean, it's really deep, really, really deep. Get this, and this is according to Gateway Pundit who exposed this today. The judge who is presiding over this Sussman uh, trial, U.S. District Judge Christopher Cooper of the District of Columbia, is married to a lawyer named Amy Jeffress. She represented the FBI lawyer, Lisa Page. Remember Lisa Page? Peter Strzok's lover, his sex and texting partner during all of this when they were talking about how they couldn't allow Trump to win, that the Russia hoax was their, quote, insurance policy against a Trump win. Remember her? Those two corrupt lovebirds at the FBI? That Lisa Page? Yeah, well, her lawyer is married to the judge in the Sussman-Durham trial. That's how deep the swamp is. But wait. There's more. Judge Cooper is an Obama appointee, so right away lower your expectations, guys, okay? And this lawyer, Amy Jeffress, they, she was a top, former top aide to Attorney General Eric Holder. And they are both well-connected in the Democrat Party. Merrick Garland, who is our current Attorney General, even presided over their 1999 wedding. That's how deep the swamp is, guys. John Durham did not ask Judge Cooper to recuse himself, but he probably should have. This looks like a big mistake. The swamp is so deep. This is, the, the swamp is an incestuous pit of corruption. No wonder we can ever get a fair shake. They are all intertwined, and in some cases, literally Physically intertwined, literally in bed with each other. The whole putrid thing needs to be uprooted root and branch. When we say drain the swamp, it's not like here and there on the margins. No, the entire thing needs to be drained root and branch. Getting back to this trial. Sussman told the FBI that the Trump organization had a secret communications channel with the Kremlin through Russia's Alpha Bank. Remember this? The FBI, CIA, Robert Mueller, who was appointed as a special counsel to investigate? No, the investigation was the cover-up. Eventually, they all debunked the claim, but this was years later. You know what the, the old line is? Was it Mark Twain? That uh, a lie can travel Halfway around the world before the truth gets its pants on. Yeah, this was all a deliberate setup. And, and they only debunked the claim after they had no choice. They all ran wild with it for years knowing it was a lie. It was all intentional. Everybody knows this. So Durham intends to show that Sussman uh, told Congress the truth about working for the Clinton campaign after he lied to the FBI. Sussman is pleading not guilty. Sussman, by the way, was a former partner at the Washington law firm Perkins Coie, who the Clinton campaign hired to run this lie and launder the lie. Durham is arguing that Sussman was part of a joint venture, and that's his phrase, quote, joint venture to help Hillary's presidential campaign by making up this lie about collusion between Trump and Russia. So John Durham has just shown the entire world by laying out a lot of his evidence here. What major pieces of the Republicans' Russiagate investigation under Devin Nunes, remember that? That started years ago in 2017. Republicans under Devin were revealing all of this uh, evidence and pointing to this. And the mainstream press, as corrupt as they are, refused to cover it, dismissed it, laughed at it. But now you've got John Durham coming out with everything that Durham was talking about. Hard evidence, emails, text messages showing the Clinton campaign, Fusion GPS, Perkins Cooey, the, the tech executive, who's also named here, that they were all synced up in August of 2016, pushing this false Alpha Bank server story, all while working on the Steele dossier lie at the same time. The left is always screaming about the need to protect democracy as if democracy is special to them. They hate democracy. They want autocracy with them in total power and control and you, of course, having none, including no voice at all. In order to achieve that, They have to destroy democracy in the name of saving it. We've heard that one before. You know who else claimed that? Hitler and the National Socialists and pretty much every other tyrant in world history. Oh, we're here to protect you. Trust us. Sure, we know how that ends. It's not pretty. So this trial is the first in the Durham investigation, and it's important to understanding what Hillary Clinton, her goons, and the left more broadly were doing. Donald Trump needed to be stopped because he was an interloper. He was putting a stop when he ran. He was exposing all of them. When he became president, he was exposing all of them. But what Donald Trump was doing was putting a stop, at least temporarily, to their fundamental transformation of the nation. The movement to the Great Reset, meaning the the massive global surveillance state and Marxist economic policies, it's much more complicated and and in-depth than that, but that's sort of the top line of what the Great Reset and what the left in this country is doing to move this country in that direction. He had to be stopped lest he succeed, which he did in exposing them and their grand project, the Great Reset. Trump put it on pause for four years, and they freaked out. Remember, they had it really going for eight years under Obama, and then they were going to hand the torch off to Hillary and have her lock it all into place. Trump comes in, puts it all on pause for four years. They wigged out, which is why they relentlessly tried to destroy him and why they're working at breakneck speed now to make up for lost time. That's what all of this is about. They are accelerating the deliberate destruction of our country because they're on a timetable to get it done. And they lost four years. So they're moving with all deliberate speed now to make up for that lost time. That's what's going on. All right, let's hit a quick break. We've got more coming up on the other side, including a phenomenal interview with the great J.D. Vance, Republican candidate for Senate in Ohio. Sit tight. Welcome back. I'm Monica Crowley on social media on Instagram at Monica Crowley underscore and on Twitter and Truth social at Monica Crowley coming up in the next segment. We're going to talk to J.D. Vance, who got Trump's endorsement in that Senate race in Ohio. He is now the Republican nominee. He's getting ready to uh, run in the general fact, he's already running. So sit tight for that. It's going to be a great conversation. All right. um, I, I want to bring to you, you know, I spent almost two years at the Treasury Department under Secretary Mnuchin, who was a phenomenally effective Treasury Secretary. Well, now we've got Janet Yellen as our Treasury Secretary, and she spends all of her time, or at least a good chunk of it anyway, talking about climate change which of course is not her portfolio at all. Last week we brought to you her remarks on abortion, also not her portfolio. Her portfolio is to make sure that America's fiscal house is in order. And yet she's devoting so much of her time to other things. No wonder our economy is in a giant mess. So Janet Yellen is in Eastern Europe on a bunch of different issues. She's giving speeches and talking to her her counterparts over there. And I was on tons of these trips with Secretary Mnuchin. It's all very interesting and important. But she is spending a good deal of time over there on Ukraine. Listen to this. According to the Treasury release and I still get all of their releases and so on their statements today Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen visited the World Central Kitchen site in Warsaw Poland to highlight important work to serve Ukrainian refugees and to preview an action plan from the international financial institutions to surge resources to tackle the rising threat you ready of global food insecurity exacerbated by Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Here is her quote. The devastation in Ukraine in the past months reminds us not to take our next meal for granted and how quickly events can take a turn for the worse. Okay, nobody here is suggesting in any way that what's going on in Ukraine and the surrounding area, thanks to Russia's invasion, nobody's minimizing that. Nobody is saying it is not important. However... When she says this reminds us not to take our next meal for granted and how quickly events can take a turn for the worse, is this a warning for us? Biden has been warning about food shortages now for a while. He's like, everybody thinks he's going off script. I don't think so. I think they've got something planned here, even worse than what we're already seeing, because now we've got food shortages and other kind of shortages all over the place. Thanks to inflationary pressures, the supply chain crisis, the labor crunch, all of which he created and the Democrats created. And of course, we've got the big baby formula shortage, which is completely insane. And now the Democrats are like, oh, we've got a problem here. Yeah, because their constituents can't feed their babies Meanwhile, this has been going on for months, at least since last October. Do you know for, and I want to bring this to you because it's really important, the FDA, which is part of the federal government, the Food and Drug Administration, is part of the Biden administration. Do you know that a whistleblower came to the FDA last October with concerns about this big um, Abbott Labs plan? Abbott Labs controls 43% of the baby formula um, it market in this country, 43%. So they have a big facility in Sturgis, Michigan, I think, and a whistleblower came forward to the FDA with concerns about this plant back in October. It took months for the federal government to interview the whistleblower, and then another couple of months for them to go visit that facility, and then another six weeks or so for them to shut that facility. This is the federal government. It is not efficient and it does not care. So this is all on the plate of the Biden administration. They have known about this for months. And yet now Nancy Pelosi and others are like, holy smokes, we have a problem here. Well, duh. This is the benefit of having a private sector president like Donald Trump. If Trump had been president very early on, if word got to the Trump White House about uh, the baby formula shortage, Donald Trump would have convened the heads of all of the baby formula manufacturers in America, Abbott, whoever else. He would have brought them into the Oval Office. He would have sat them down. He would have read them the riot act. He would have knocked heads in the government and elsewhere in order to get a solution and fast. That's what you need. You need private sector attitude, private sector solutions, and the speed that comes with being in the private sector and being the boss. So that's what Trump would have done. But no, we've got a jerk and a hack with dementia in the Oval Office, so don't expect any kind of real solutions coming out of this White House, because all of a sudden now they realize they've got a problem. Why? Well, they got a problem because it's a political problem. They don't care if your baby eats. I mean, you had left wingers like Bette Midler going out there saying, well, you know, just breastfeed. (laughs) They don't care about you at all. I'm going to bring you another story here in a second about on this very issue about how they just, they don't care. The swamp always unifies to put America and Americans last, and this is yet another uh, circumstance of this. They don't care if your baby eats. They could care less. It's only a political problem for them now. So, while you are struggling to pay for groceries and fill your car up uh, with gas, The prices hit another all-time high last week. Diesel is at an all-time high, too. So if you want to know why all of your stuff is costing a lot more, it's inflation, but it's also costing more for truckers to get the stuff to you because diesel is now at a record high. So while you're struggling to pay for all of this and find formula for your baby, Nancy Pelosi is out here ramping up the perks for members of Congress. After all, they work so hard shafting you that they need some perks and things to blow off steam. Pelosi is taking your hard-earned tax dollars, you ready for this? To pay for full memberships, to Peloton gyms, you know, those bikes with the live uh, classes and on, uh, uh, you know, all kinds of classes that you can do on Peloton. Well, she's taking your hard-earned money and she's paying for full memberships to Peloton gyms and a brand new liquor and drinks outlet on Capitol Hill. Let's deal with the booze first, shall we? A statement went out saying, that they were announcing a new House drink storefront in the Rayburn House office building where lawmakers and staff can buy beverages, wine, and liquor. The announcement boasted, whether you're hosting a meeting or an office event or just want to stock up on your favorite drinks, House Drinks sells water, soda, juice, alcohol, and spirits. Six, 12, and 24 packs are available depending on the drink. So now I guess we're subsidizing their alcoholism so Nancy can get her booze more easily now. I mean, it's just, they're going to have more parties on Capitol Hill on your dime. Then there are the free VIP memberships to Peloton gyms. Members of Congress will now have both Peloton All Access and a Peloton app membership at no monthly cost. No monthly cost to them but understand it's a monthly cost to you. The deal involved a $10,000 upfront payment and $10 per month uh, per staffer who used the perk. So mom and dads in America are out here going to 10 stores looking for baby formula while paying for gas that they can barely afford, but at least the Democrats are using our tax dollars to do Peloton. This gross abuse of our tax money points to something else. The uni party hates you. The swamp hates you. Most of your elected representatives hate you, and they do not represent you. They represent themselves, their own interests, not yours. They protect each other. They reward each other. They empower each other. They enrich each other, but they don't give a damn about you. The only things they want from you are your votes and your money. So stop giving them both and find candidates who will respect you and truly represent you and put America first. It's not difficult or complicated. That's it. You want to change? You do that. All right, I'm Monica Crowley. And before we move on, we've got a great interview with J.D. Vance coming straight up. But before we hit a break and turn to JD, I'd like to take a moment to welcome a new sponsor, GenuCell. I've worked with GenuCell for years and they do know skincare. Are you looking for soft, nourished, and silky smooth skin without the harsh side effects of retinol like me? Then you have to try their brand new ultra retinol cream. Comes from GenuCell. GenuCell's new ultra retinol cream with concentrated hyaluronic acid, hydrates your skin at a cellular level, and builds on the deep moisture with the incredible anti-aging effects of a natural retinol alternative. So go to GenuCell.com slash Monica right now for up to 50% off the brand new ultra retinol cream. You'll also get GenuCell's immediate effects for results in 12 hours or less, and that is free with your order. So go to genucel.com slash Monica, that's dot com slash Monica. You get free express shipping, free returns, superb customer service, and 100% money back satisfaction guarantee. You can't beat it. So go to genucel.com slash Monica, that's genucel.com slash Monica. Back in a flash. Well, I'm so happy to welcome to the podcast J.D. Vance. J.D., of course, is the Republican nominee for U.S. Senate in Ohio. His campaign website is jdvance.com, jdvance.com. Please go check him out and support him however you're able. He is also the author of the bestseller Hillbilly Elegy, which literally changed the cultural conversation in this country and had a big effect on our politics, too. J.D., welcome. Great to have you here.
1: Thanks, Monica. Great to be with you.
0: And congratulations on your phenomenal primary win. Uh, And I've got to ask you before we get started on some of the issues that you're talking about out on out on the uh, stump. How crucial was President Trump's endorsement of you for that win? Yeah,
1: it was very helpful. You know, you you never you can never run this experiment twice, so you never know uh, what would have happened without it. But I think it was a very crucial thing to getting, getting us over the finish line. You know, the, the thing about President Trump's endorsement is obviously a lot of Republicans trust him uh, because he's one of the few political leaders who's actually delivered. Uh, but it also insulated us, I think, from the attacks that there were so many, you know, probably 12 to 15 million dollars of negative attack ads against me in the state of Ohio. Most of it coming in the last month of the campaign. And I think what President Trump's endorsement really did is allowed us to survive that stuff and ultimately thrive in the face of it You know, because we won by, I don't know, nine or so points. Uh, and I, I don't think we certainly would have won, maybe not at all, but certainly by not by nine points if the president hadn't come in and supported me.
0: Well, he did make you sweat for a while, J.D., uh, because you had said some critical things of him before. So how did you finally secure that coveted endorsement?
1: Yeah, you know, he definitely made us sweat. Uh, I think he he, he he likes to, you know, he, he likes that, I think, in some ways, because he, he likes for people to prove themselves. And yeah, the first time I ever met with the president, I actually didn't ask for his endorsement. I said, I'd like to I'd like your endorsement, but I'd like to earn it first. I think that when you see this campaign unfold, you're going to see that I'm the, I'm the one who's most aligned with you on the issues. Uh, and that's ultimately what happened. You know, I, I don't know what ultimately put him over the edge. I would say by, you know, March of this year, I was pretty confident that, that maybe he wouldn't endorse me, but certainly he wouldn't endorse anybody else. Uh, and you know, things worked out and, uh, he, he eventually made the decision to get involved in the race. And luckily it was for me.
0: Phenomenal. So before we get into the current state of the race, JD, tell us a little bit about your background, which you write about so beautifully and poignantly in a hillbilly elegy, because I think it really sets the background for why you are the best person to represent Ohio in the U S Senate.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that. So you know, I grew up in a town uh, called Middletown, Ohio. In one of these places that was you know, very proud, very working class, was probably more, at least in the '60s, '70s, and '80s, more of a Democrat town than a Republican town. And, and then what happened is, you know, it was affected like so many of these these small and medium sized Ohio towns were by the decline of the old light industrial and manufacturing economy. So, you know, the steel mill that my my grandfather worked at, I, w- I was raised by my grandparents. Uh, my grandfather worked at Armco Steel for 35 years. Uh, I think when he worked there, it had something like 10,000 employees in Middletown. Uh, by the time that I graduated from high school, it had you know, less than 1,500. So you know, there was this massive shift away from these, these really important manufacturing industries. And of course, you know it meant that we didn't make enough of our stuff in this country anymore. But it also meant that a lot of people like my family were devastated by the economic changes that happened. And, and that's kind of the, the backdrop in which I grew up, you know, because we, we know when the jobs disappear, then, you know, drugs start to move into some of these communities, families start to break apart a little bit, and, and a lot of other problems follow the disappearance of, of the jobs. And that's sort of the story that I told Hillbilly Elegy, like, you know, what does this actually look like when uh, the industries that your town depends on start to disappear? What effect does it have on, you know, each generation, on the kids, on the grandparents, on everybody caught between and uh, you know, we grew up in, in some ways in a pretty rough family. We had a lot of issues, um, you know, a lot of instability. Uh, but we loved each other, and we looked after each other. And ultimately, you know, my mom and papa were able to provide me with some some stability and some discipline. And I went from there to the Marine Corps, and then off to college, and and uh, was able to start a business here in Cincinnati. And that's kind of kind of my story, the American dream. Uh, but I also think an American dream that we want more kids to have access to, because unfortunately, when Our leaders make terrible decisions. It makes that dream much harder for a lot of our citizens to actually achieve.
0: Yes. And that's why you're running for the Senate. You know, I was thinking about as you were laying out your story, J.D., that in retrospect, given what you saw uh, with manufacturing and jobs being shipped overseas, I think you were America first before there was an America first movement.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even you mentioned I was a, I was a critic of Donald Trump early on, and and a lot of it just boiled down to I didn't think that he would ultimately be able to deliver on a lot of his promises, and I was I was very happy to be proven wrong. But but you know, like I remember when we had a a, a school presidential election in 1992. I think I was in the second grade, and and I was one of the kids who voted for Ross Perot <laughs> because if you think about you know he was identifying what a mistake it was to flood our markets with cheap goods from overseas to allow a lot of our, our good manufacturing jobs to disappear. Uh, and, and, and in a lot of ways, you know, we think about, I, I think, this in terms of job losses. And that's, of course, a very important part of the story, but it's also about America's own self-reliance, right? Uh, do, do, do your people have access to the things they need when they need them? Are they affected by a crazy Chinese lockdown or by something that's going on 2,000 miles away? or do we have enough self-sufficiency here at home to deliver the things we need for our people? So it's not just about job losses in a lot of ways. You're right. America First is really about economic self-sufficiency. You you can't be a real country if you can't make the stuff that you need. Uh, And that's true from pharmaceuticals to computer chips to, you know, we're finding out, I think, the hard way uh, with, with baby formula and some of the components that go into baby formula. So This is just a really, really big problem. I think it's the problem for us to deal with over the next 30 years.
0: We're talking to J.D. Vance. He is the Republican nominee for the U.S. Senate in Ohio, and his campaign website is jdvance.com. Okay, J.D., so you've laid it out really clearly, and I'd love to know from you the current state of the race. As you travel around Ohio, what are the issues of most concern to the voters there?
1: Well, you know, obviously inflation is the thing that I hear the most about. Uh, people can't get access to the things that they need. It's, you know, gas is more expensive. Energy is more expensive. The things that people are buying at the grocery store are more expensive. It's sort of everything. I, I joke that the Biden economy uh, is really good unless uh, unless you have to eat or drive yourself to work. Uh, which of course is like 99%. Uh, well, it's, I, I guess if you conclude they the have to eat, that's everybody, right? And if you drive yourself to work, that's like 95% of the people in the state of Ohio. So it's really been terrible for everybody. And you know, the, the, the related problem is the drug crisis, which is caused by this lawless Southern border that we have. Mm-hmm. You know, we had 100,000 people die of drug overdoses last year. Uh, more people in Ohio uh, than than any, you know, I, th- I think we're the third the highest in terms of drug overdose deaths. And we know that this stuff is Chinese fentanyl that's being brought into our country by the Mexican drug cartel. So those are probably the two things that I hear the most about. Those are the two things that I'm most focused on. And I, I got to say, you know, my, my opponent, Tim Ryan, he's, he's this Democrat who tries to pretend in his TV commercials, that he's somehow a moderate, but he's voted with Joe Biden a hundred percent of the time he voted against so many of the America first policies that were working uh, from 2016 to 2020. And at the end of the day, I think he's a bit of a wolf in sheep's clothing. He's a guy who's trying to pretend to be a Kennedy Democrat, when in reality, he's a Kamala Harris Democrat.
0: Let me ask you, J.D., because I've seen this for many years that so often and I'm sitting here in New York State, deep blue state. um, Ohio has been trending red, which is fantastic. But, you know, I have noticed over the years that a lot of voters don't necessarily link their vote with the consequences of their vote. So, as you travel around Ohio, do you get the sense that voters understand that this economic debacle is a direct result of unified Democratic control in D.C. and Joe Biden's catastrophic economic policies?
1: I do think most voters get that. Um, I think whether it's energy policies, which drive inflation and obviously lead to a lot of job losses, uh, the border policy, which you know we had largely under control a few years ago, and now it's just a complete you know, Wild West lawless area. I, I do think people recognize that this is the consequence, not not just of unified Democrat rule, but of a Democrat party that's really gone off the rails. Um, you know, like I, I wasn't a Barack Obama fan, I didn't vote for him, but his his views on immigration would put him, I, I think to, you know, like maybe even in the Republican party today, if you look at the rhetoric of modern Democrats, like they don't believe in, in immigration enforcement at all. Like the idea of deporting anybody who's illegally crossed the border and somehow it you know, makes you a xenophobe or a racist. So I think it's, it's people recognize that the Democrats, at least the leadership of the Democrat Party, has gone completely off the rails and we're all suffering the consequences because of it.
0: Are Ohioans, as you travel the state, J.D., are they focused on what's happening abroad as well with Russia, Ukraine, the global control of the CCP, Iran marching toward a nuclear weapon? I mean, how concerned are these voters about America's weakness abroad?
1: You know, they're definitely concerned about our weakness generally I think they, they recognize that it, it expresses itself in a number of ways right you know your weakness abroad is people don't respond to people invade countries that they maybe wouldn't have invaded if, if there was strong American leadership out there you know obviously there's an economic side of this too because people realize that you know if, if you can't get the things you need because your economy is or, or the Chinese economy is shut down by the CCP like you know, why, why is that? And why do we let ourselves get into a situation where we were so dependent mm-hmm. on a group of people that don't like us? Uh, but I will say that, that as much as America has suffered in, 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 in the, on the world stage, I hear much more about domestic concerns than I do about anything that's happening overseas. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that's, that's another way our leadership is a little bit out of touch where, you know, like, you know how much I hear about the baby formula shortage? I hear about it all the time. Uh, You hear about it a little bit when you turn on CNN or an SNBC, but you don't really hear that much about what's going on here at home, how much it's affecting people here here in our country.
0: Speaking of a domestic issue, uh, given the Supreme Court leak on Roe versus Wade, is abortion now coming up in conversations that you're having in Ohio?
1: Yeah, I definitely hear more about it now than I did maybe six or so months ago. But, you know, my, my guess is the Democrats are overplaying their hand a little bit I think you know they, they believe that this is going to somehow ignite their base uh, you know but but Monica when we had our primary back a couple of weeks ago uh, the the Supreme Court opinion had just leaked a few days before that and Democrat turnout was about half of Republican turnout in the state of Ohio and you're right Ohio is trending red but it's not yet a full red state to have double the turnout among Republicans suggests that Democrats are pretty demotivated. So I think I think what could happen if Roe gets overturned is that a lot of our voters are really excited about it. Because you have to remember, like a lot of Republicans, pro-life is their number one issue. The reason they go to the polls, the reason they volunteer and make phone calls for Republicans. Uh, so I, I think I hear more about it. And I certainly think I've get, been getting attacked from the left for being pro-life, but I'm, I'm proud to be pro-life. And I happen to think that in in Ohio in 2022, it's going to be a good thing for us politically, not a bad thing.
0: Yes, I completely agree with you on that. I think the Democrats are really uh, jumping the shark on this issue. So economic insecurity and a restoration of our national uh, sovereignty. Those are the two big issues for you to address when you get to the Senate. J.D., Um, no small order here. What is the current polling show? Tell us what uh, the current state of the race is.
1: You know, it's it's funny. We haven't we are we're, we're doing a poll now, uh, so I wish I had the results so I could share with you. My my suspicion is they're going to be good. The reason I think that it's good is because we know that Tim Ryan has pulled the race multiple times, uh, and he's 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 putting out a poll from March of 2021. You know, back when my statewide name ID was probably 10, percent and even in that poll we're tied. So <laughs> I think I think that the polling is very good. My my guess is that we're ahead by a pretty big wide wide margin. But you know the the thing I worry about, like if, if you ask me what my political worries are right now, uh, it's it's complacency. I, I think a lot of Republicans in Ohio they know this is going to be a good year for us. You know we have a governor's race in Ohio, a Senate race, a, you know Secretary of State's race. Like we should win all these races in a big way, but we still have to put in the work. You know politics is like anything else; skill matters a little bit, uh, but work matters a whole lot more. And and I, and what I what I my message to Ohio Republicans especially is. We actually have to put in the work because the Democrats are going to be very well funded. Uh, They're going to be very well organized. And we actually have to make sure we get to the polls. uh, We ensure that our elections are safe and secure, which I think we do a very good job of here in Ohio. But most of all, that our people are motivated because the one thing that can let the Democrats squeak through the middle here is if we just think we have it in the bag and we let our foot off the gas.
0: Yes. Amen to that, J.D. Okay, final question for you. Once you get to the Senate, we know how you're going to deal with the Democrats, But how do you plan to deal with the Republican swamp, including Leader McConnell, senators like Romney and Collins? How do you plan to manage them?
1: I I think the thing that that you have to do is just be independent and and you have to actually be willing to challenge not just the the leadership of the Democrats, but the leadership of your own party. And, you know, we got some pushback from uh, from the, the, the D.C. swamp in our campaign. I'm sure I'll get plenty of pushback when I'm actually on Capitol Hill but, you know, I, I I just I tend to think that you can't be terrified to criticize your own party because uh, if you do, you're eventually going to become the very thing you ran against. It's the very thing I ran against, and I don't want to do that, right? I want to be a good senator for the people of Ohio. So look, let me just give you an example. Like, I'm a very big fan, Monica, of banning members of Congress from trading stocks. And the reason this matters is I don't want to have like you know, let's say I and I buy stock in Google, and then I vote. You know, I I vote in a way that's good for Google, but it's bad for the First Amendment rights of the citizens of Ohio. Right. Uh, But that, you know, that works out for me because I get richer, uh, but it doesn't work out for the people who actually were was elected to represent. So I think we should just ban this practice altogether, make it impossible for members of Congress to get rich off of the public trust that their voters have given them. Now, hilariously, the leadership of both the Republican and the Democrat hate this bill. Um, But, you know, we got to do it and i think we got to fight to do it and we got to make sure that we're putting pressure even on our own side if we have to to make sure this legislation gets passed for the next congress uh, even if joe biden doesn't sign it we'll have you know president trump around too who will sign it a few years after that
0: Yes. Amen to that too, JD, because that has some bipartisan support too. You've got members of the squad like AOC who is on board with, uh, barring that kind of insider trading, uh, stock transactions. So yes, stay, please stay on that, JD. So I, I am fully confident. I know you're going to work really hard until November, but I am confident that you are going to be the next U.S. Senator, uh, from the state of Ohio. Seems to me that once you're there, JD, you got three jobs. Stop the entire Biden legislative agenda without fear of being called obstructionists. Two, hold investigations into all of the current corruption. And three, lay the groundwork for 2024 by advancing an America First agenda. Am I right about that?
1: That's exactly right. And the investigations part is really important, Monica. We really have to look into some of the lawlessness that's been going on. I mean, let's just be honest, not just the last couple of years, but even during the Trump administration, you had members of the Department of Justice who I think were conducting themselves illegally. Uh, look, law and order means a lot of things, but one of the things it means is the powerful people should be subject to the law when they break it, and we got to make sure that happens because even parts of our own government untrustworthy and it become corrupted. we got to fix that if we want to solve any of the other problems we care about.
0: Yes, absolutely. And you will certainly lead the charge as you have always done. J.D. Vance, thank you so much for being here. We're behind you 100%. Go get him. We'll have you back on before the general in November. And guys, if you want to support J.D., he's a phenomenal candidate. He needs to win the Senate seat. Go to jdvance.com and support him however you can. J.D., thank you so much.
1: Thanks, Monica. See
0: ya. A pleasure. Bye. Wow. What a blockbuster show today. JD Vance, all kinds of good stuff. Thank you so much for joining me on this Monday. Now we're going to dip into the email bag. Keep those emails coming to me. The email address is Monica Crowley Podcast at gmail.com, Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com. I read them all. I see them all. So keep them flowing. All right. Today we're going to do one email because this is a very special email and it's from Chaplain Rufus who writes, hi Monica, Chaplain Rufus here, United States Air Force retired and a Vietnam combat veteran. I wanted to share with you that I have never listened to a podcast until I saw you on Huckabee. Remember, guys, a couple of weeks ago I was on Mike Huckabee's uh, TBN show on television. So Chaplain Rufus saw me there. He writes Instantly you became a hero, and now I'm a thought prisoner and miss none of your podcasts. Like millions of others, I was crushed when we lost Rush, America's anchor man. Rush was without peer and can never be replaced, but now I have found the next best thing, Monica Crowley, America's anchorwoman. Aw, Chaplain Rufus, bringing tears to my eyes here. I would like to share a couple of quotes with you, Chaplain Rufus writes, that might not reach your podcast airways, but I feel that they are where America is today. President Abraham Lincoln warned, quote, America will never be destroyed from the outside. If we falter and lose our freedoms, it will be because we destroyed ourselves. In 1951, General Douglas MacArthur stated, quote, In the day of gathering storms, as moral deterioration of political power spreads its growing infection, it is essential that every spiritual force be mobilized to defend and preserve the religious base upon which this nation is founded. For it has been that base which has been the motivating impulse to our moral and national growth. History fails to record a single precedent in which nations subject to moral decay have not passed into political and economic decline. There has been there has been either a spiritual reawakening to overcome the moral lapse or a progressive deterioration leading to ultimate national disaster. Finally, Chaplain Rufus writes: President Trump is our Moses. And my governor, Ron DeSantis, is our Joshua, signed Chaplain Rufus, your fellow thought prisoner. Well, amen to that, Chaplain Rufus. First of all, thank you for the very kind words, and comparing me to Rush Limbaugh is overwhelming and uh, humbling, and Rush was a dear friend, so I really appreciate that. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. Also, thank you for sharing those two quotes from Lincoln and General MacArthur, uh, warning us about uh, this very day and this very time, and I'm glad you sent those quotes to me so I could share them with the rest of the audience. And then finally, Chaplain Rufus, uh, I want to thank you on behalf of everybody listening to this podcast. Thank you for your service in the United States Air Force. Thank you for being a combat veteran in the Vietnam War. God bless you and your family and your service and your love for this country. We all say thank you. And God bless you. All right. That's going to do it for me today. Uh, Wednesday, we got a big show coming up. So you are gonna want to stay tuned for that. And please do not forget to follow me on social media on Instagram at Monica Crowley underscore and on Twitter and Truth Social at Monica Crowley. All right. Have a great start to your week. I hope that we kicked it off great uh, with this program. Enjoy it. And I will see you right back here on Wednesday.